Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Hey, welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. It is June 24th, 2020. I started doing the dates with these podcasts because uh, when COVID hit and we went from being in a studio to remote and everybody kind of quarantined in their homes. And I wanted the podcast as you listen because they don't always come out, you know, like it's June 24th. This podcast likely won't be out until um, July at some point. And I really wanted people to be able to put the conversations in context, right? If we're talking about something intense about COVID or, or something that's going on that you're listening going, wait a minute, that's not happening right now. It would be in context. I'm bringing this up now because while we're still in a COVID conversation, it's clear it's um, it's still a converse hot topic politically with families, with businesses, it's impact. It's still impacting the economy. It's impacting the world. Um, we're also in conversations of race and diversity and inclusion and um, politics in America is 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 I want to say like off the rails. Uh, and I've been in a lot of these conversations, and I noticed that I'm sharing this because I noticed that at this point I feel exhausted. I feel exhausted by social media. I feel exhausted by the news. I feel exhausted that every single person that has a heartbeat thinks that they're an expert on something. Um, and I and I love that people have opinions. I think people having a voice and an opinion is important. I think America wouldn't be America if everybody didn't have an opinion. Like if we all thought the same things and we all had the same um, idea and we all had to believe the same things, it wouldn't be America. That's one of the reasons America was created was to be for people to be able to have the freedom of their own thoughts and their own ideas. So I love it and it's exhausting. And I think I'm sharing this because I'm realizing how much work it takes that we have to do on ourselves to take care of ourselves. I have always taken care of myself and I thought that was always something that uh, supported me to do so many things, my business, my podcasts, um, the social life, the personal life, the family life. And now I'm seeing I need to ramp that up a level because it's, we are, there's just so much more happening and maybe whether it's happening or not happening, we're being inundated by it more. And I'm curious how our guest today has been dealing with this. He has a family, he has children, he has a business, he has, he's an author and there's a lot of noise. And even one of his books that he wrote is how to find peace in a, uh, I'll give you the actual title in a minute, but how to find peace in a noisy world. So I know that I'm interested to hear what he says because it feels like I'm going deaf. Like my soul is being drowned out and I don't want that to happen because there's a lot of things that are going on that matter. 
there's a lot of people that are being impacted and I, I am really committed to people being kind to each other and people loving each other and people respecting each other. And it seems like the more we go down this road, the less and less of that is existing. So take from that what you will. Let me introduce our guest today and we can get his take on what I just kind of shared. My guest today is an author and an inspirational speaker. He has written two books. His first book is titled God Moments, Why God Made Me Pick Up My Underwear and Other Stories of Faith. I'm very curious to understand the subtitle. And his second book is called Unplugged, How to Disconnect and Find Peace in a Noisy World. He's also the host of the God Moments podcast. And I was joking with him earlier saying that he's like, you know, Bruce Wayne by day and Batman by night, because those are the things he's doing by night. But during the day, He's a bookkeeper, he's a tax preparer, he's a domestic engineer. I don't know what that is, so we're going to find out. He's also a, a husband and a father to two teenagers, so that in itself probably takes a lot of his time. And we were introduced by a mutual friend, so I'm really uh, excited to have him on and curious to learn a lot more about him and how somebody, you know, I think there's a lot of people that have these lives where they do one thing, but they have goals, they have dreams, they have other things they want to do. And he's really done it by writing two books and hosting a podcast, which I think is really admirable. So let's, uh, I'm happy to introduce you to Orlando Javier. Did I, did I get it right? You nailed it. Awesome. I, I always joke, like, it's, it's not funny because I'm trying to get better at it, but I get anxiety when I have to say people's names. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you, Alex, for having me. I've heard them call me Javier. They've called it Juvian, Javian, but uh, I've learned to roll with it. And every time they, you know, butcher it, I, it just makes me smile. What's the What's the uh, makeup of your background? Where's your name come from? Like, what, where's your ethnic or racial background come from? Uh, Filipino. Okay. But uh, I'm pretty sure from you know, uh, come from like a Spanish background. That's where the the Javian comes from. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would think when hearing it, and and I had no idea. Cool. Um, well, thanks for being here. You know, you I love that. I want to I want to first touch on just asking you how is life, how's your family, how's business, like how has the 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 whirlwind of the world impacting you and all and all those that you care about and love. Um, you know, um, the lucky thing about myself is I've been self-employed for the past probably about 10 years or so, and um, most of my work is remote. So I'm, I've been working at home um, for the past 10 years. So there hasn't been any major shift in the work arena. Had a few clients have to put off some of my service mainly because there's no books to maintain because they had to close up shop or just had to really scale down their business. But for the most part, there hasn't been a huge shift in my work. My wife's a nurse, so uh, although uh, hospitals are full, um, she works in the children's unit, so they're not as full. So she's actually had quite a few days off, more days off during this period than any other time. So the, the work environment is pretty much the same. I think the biggest shift in our life was not being able to see our family on a regular basis, my parents, my siblings, who live not too far away. Um, and then having to help my kids deal mentally with having to stay home and not be able to be with their friends on a regular basis and pretty much do the social distance learning. So if any shift I had to 
learned through this whole thing is how to help them mentally. Hmm. Yeah, that's got to be. I actually recently just talked to somebody who graduated, their younger brother graduated high school just now. And I was asking them a million questions about, man, what would that have been like to basically have your senior year of high school or any year of your education upended? And he was sharing with me, what when you see that as a parent, like what's the biggest impact that you've seen on your two teenage kids? Obviously the upsetness about their friends, but what about the psychological side? Like, do you see anything or notice anything? Uh, not, 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 I haven't seen anything huge except for their boredom. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's trying to pull them out because what happens is since they're home all day and they're on their screens all day is that becomes their life, their screens. So I have to pull them away from a limit, you know, screen time have them do other things. So like my son, he's 17 and he's usually working out with his sports, but since there's no sports activities, I had him working out with me. So we just finished like an eight week program together and we're just having that roll along. Um, and just pulling them away from their devices, having conversations and making it important to separate so they don't get too caught up with everything on the internet. How is it, it sounds like you've had to become like a more active parent too, right? So you're, you, I don't know how involved you were before, but it sounds like you're, you didn't work out with your son like that. How has that impacted you having to actually, you know, your kids aren't in school. So more of the, the kind of responsibility does fall on you as a parent. Uh, I don't think that was changed also because I was working from home. Um, you had asked me about the, the title domestic engineer. That's basically my way of saying that I, I do a lot of things around the house, whether it's cleaning, whether it's bringing the kids wherever they need to go. You know, my wife's home with me, but, you know, I know that sometimes she gets overwhelmed. So I take a lot of those burdens off her hands, helping maintain the house. Um, I think from what I learned through the thing is just how to pull them aside and have those conversations, ask them what's on their mind. How are you dealing with these, these, these race relations and this COVID and, what are you learning from these sources? Because sometimes they can really skew your vision. So allowing them to express themselves, um, think like them sometimes, and then put back the parent hat. Because sometimes as a parent, you want to automatically uh, shoot down whatever they're feeling. Mm. And then they realize that they can't talk to you. So sometimes I have to take off the parent hat so I can hear what they're saying, put the parent hat back on and then kind of, Re relook at how to explain it best, so I don't prevent them from wanting to talk to me. I love that. That's such a great lesson for people in general to be able to take off. You know, if we were having a conversation about anything—politics, religion—if mm-hmm. um, a street should have a stop sign or not, like we could say anything that we're we so are we're so. Um, dug in on our identity and who we quote unquote think we are and what we believe that so often we don't actually listen to what people say. And so I really hear that in you with your kids is an example of for you to be able to really be present with them and acknowledge them as a separate human being and give them kind of respect in your ear, but it also helps build your relationship. You have to take off the identity of being a parent, be with them, and then you get to come back to it. And I'm, I'm, I'm just present to the idea that if, what if we all could do that? Like we all could take our identity, put it aside for a minute and listen to someone else. 
exactly. without the judgments, the thoughts, the critiques. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of time when we're listening to someone, we're already thinking what we're going to yeah. say next and yeah. they haven't even finished talking yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I really learned how to um, be willing to be wrong for the sake of the conversation. Too many people want to prove they're right so many times that they don't allow the other voice to be heard. And when you don't allow the other voice to hear, be heard or actually put yourself in their place for a period of time, you really don't know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like we only see our perspective. I've been doing uh, conversations on this podcast with people of, of different races and genders and whatnot, simply to hear what it's like to be them. Because all I know is what it's like to be me. All you know is what it's like to be you. And we can't understand what it's like to be you know, black or gay or a woman or anything unless we actually let somebody share with us. Exactly. Um, I am curious, like you described your background being uh, Filipino. Mm -hmm. Has any of the, has any of this, anything going on with, um, I want to call it like very like civil rights, race conversations, has any of this impacted you and your family? Or how has it Im impacted you, I should ask? Um, I think if anything, it's, uh, it, again, it's the conversations with the kids, you know, because they see one point of view. I mean, if you were to just go on social media, you can immediately assume all police are bad and want nothing to do with them. And, you know, I, I hear that from my siblings because that's what their kids are thinking. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's not all police are bad. Some are bad but you have to realize that they're an importance of that role. But anytime someone is given power, they have the ability to abuse that power. So it's important to not so much condemn the position as much as to look at that person. And too many times we want to, if somebody does something bad, we generalize everybody in that, uh, in that sphere is bad. So, it's, it's correcting, but allowing them to express their feelings. Do they find, I mean, I think, you know, I, uh, something I learned about just like recently, somebody asked me what I identify as and I went, I don't even, I almost paused. So people look at me and they might have a thought about what I, my makeup is. But if you ask me, I would, the only time I would think about what I identify as would be when you asked me to check a little box, right? Like on a government questionnaire or a test or something. And I would check white. But I noticed that's one of the, um, I want to call it privileges, is that I don't even actually acknowledge it, right? I've, I've talked to a lot of African-Americans who say like they wake up and they're, they're black. They can't actually, they, they actually, it's part of who they are every day, whereas I don't actually even have to think about that. Is that anything that comes up for you guys, like as in being Filipino or is it something that you acknowledge? Is it something that you talk about as a family or is it something that seems like maybe it doesn't? get talked about a lot? Um, it, it's funny because my parents, born in another country, I was raised in the United States. So I, although I was, you know, I, I'm Filipino, I don't, I didn't get immersed in the culture outside of the foods and the, um, the family parties. My son, though, he is very interested in the culture and is constantly studying. He even has expressed that he wants to one day teach 
um, you know, those in high school about the, the culture. He's a president of his club. He's really involved. He wants to learn the language. And, um, you know, I have to sheepishly say I, I, I can't speak the language. I usually mm -hmm. listen for context. But uh, I, I don't know. I think th that comes from being born in the United States and not being immersed. You know, I've never been back to my parents' hometown. So, um, you know, born and raised Filipino, but it's yeah. not that you know we yeah it's just really cool about your son that he wants to like uh, that's it's interesting that he wants to like learn more about like his heritage and where he comes from and the mm -hmm. things that are unique about that it's like beautiful right we think i think we we want it's, it's a weird thing of we want all of us to like be respected exactly for who we are and we want to not look at the differences, but we don't want to lose what makes all of us different because it's special, right? We yeah. wouldn't, if we all, if we all just blended together and said, we're all the same, which we're not, then we lose the food and the dance and the music and all these different magical things about different groups. And it's this line of actually respecting them all at the same time. So that's, I love that your son is having that opportunity and, um, and to your point, like a lot of us, you know, my, I'm from here, but my parents are from here and my grandparents were, but at the point there before they weren't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of us don't, we just like blend in to whatever yeah. it is where we become and we lose those things. I know this isn't your specialty, but I wanted to really, I don't, I don't like to step over what's going on in the world. I want to talk to you about how you went from, you started a business and you were doing like the bookkeeping and the tax preparing, but then you also started creating these other things. Like you became an author, you have a podcast. Will you tell me about the process of what had you kind of like jump into these passion projects and these things that you really care about uh, and take a chance? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. The first book was uh, the God moments. Uh, I had my faith journey begin in 2007, where there was a radical transformation, where um, I, I, I've ha I had addictions, I had an addiction to pornography, I was a workaholic, I um, was an excessive drinker, wasn't um, the man I am now, and they affected so many facets of my life because at the time work was my main focus and when you work too much you try to find different distractions and those were my distractions from that and then in 2007 i could i saw my marriage falling apart and i i really wanted to fix it but didn't know how started searching all these self-help books uh learned how to love myself more but that didn't always translate into loving my wife I'm loving my wife more. So one day I was at a chiropractic office and my chiropractor, I had learned from someone else that he was very involved in a men's group. And I, I asked him if I could join and he said, sure. And I get to this men's group and I'm thinking there's just going to be a bunch of guys that pray, but what, I, um, or, and just talk about their problems. But what ends up happening is, uh, the owner of the house says that there's some spiritual activity happening in the house. His wife feels a presence pushing down on her body. The dogs bark uncontrollably. And, you know, I'm, 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 this is my very first men's group. And I'm thinking, 
I'm here for an exorcism. This is, this is weird. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I would see next would be the, one of the most profound things I would ever see in my life. And it was men praying. There wasn't a timid prayer. It was a, it was prayer of power. It was prayed with zeal. It was a power like they knew the Almighty Father and they were being filled with his spirit. And I felt like I watched Spider-Man for the very first time. And I said, whatever you guys have, I want. Because I didn't see in my life that I had power. So I, I didn't have any power and I wanted it. And um, they laid hands on me. They prayed for me that day. And that day on began a transformation process where I started reading my Bible. I started going to church and started really reading uh, God's word. And she started transforming me in that way. Um, and he started giving me these little stories, like God made me pick up underwear. Uh, the genesis of that was I go to this men's group and I see these men pray I ask for them to pray for me and there's the shift in my life. I start reading more books and learning and making these shifts in my life. And one day I just asked God, you know, to please talk to me. I hear you talk to your kids and I want to, I want to hear your voice. And one day I'm in a parking lot and there's trash on the ground and I hear uh, God tell me to pick it up. Uh, not so much an audible voice, but more of a tapping of the heart. And I look up and I said, God, is that you? Uh, if it is you, then I'm going to pick it up. If it's not you, then at least I'm going to make the world a little cleaner. And I pick it up. And I email all my friends and family. This is kind of where the book's idea started. Is I, I just started emailing people. Hey, God talked to me. This is what he told me. And then another day, uh, I again prayed, you know, please talk to me. And again, I was in a parking lot. And I see a shopping cart. And God says, put it away. And then I look at all the, sh I look at that shopping cart and I say, this one? And he goes, no, all of them. And I said, all of them? Wait a minute, somebody gets paid for that. And again, it was a act of obedience. <laughs> you know, if, if it is you, then I'm gonna be obedient. If it's not, then at least I'll do somebody's job, help them complete it. And uh, the third time I prayed it, I said, God, do it again. And I walk out of the gym and on the ground is somebody's drawers, somebody's underwear. And I shake my head. I says, nope, not picking that up. And start walking away. And then God stops tapping on my heart. He literally reached into my heart and spoke so profoundly. He said, look, Orlando, I hear your prayers. You want me to use you. You want me to use you in big things. And I will use you. But first, I have to see if you'll do the little things. And after that, I... I said, okay, I went back to my car to get a plastic bag, picked it up, threw it away. And, you know, those little moments really just gave me um, storylines. And most of my book are maybe three to four pages of God telling me to do something. I, I did it. This is the outcome of it. And uh, ever since then, he's definitely raised the bar. I love the idea. You said this when the, with the first one. You wanted what people had, and so you were willing to try what they had done or what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. 
And then the second piece where you said, even if it's not God, because I, you know, I know, you know, there's listeners that are going to be like, it wasn't God and, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I'm not, that's, we're not here to debate that. But I love that your mindset was, even if it's not, if it is wonderful, and if it isn't, then I'm making the world a better place. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. And I, there's, that, there's almost like that third piece that you also then felt better about it. Like you felt good about what you were doing. Yeah. And I think there's a beautiful lesson there. I think about that all the time where, you know, maybe, I actually was just having this conversation yesterday. Like somebody, you know, those things where somebody buys the person behind them, like their coffee in the morning. And then, and it was shared with me that the person was like, well, then I feel guilty that I'm not buying it. And I was like, well, you don't have to feel guilty. You mm-hmm. could just enjoy that somebody bought your coffee and be happy all day. And that could impact somebody else. Exactly. There's so many ways that, that uh, doing something good doesn't have to have this like worldly, you picking up the underwear didn't necessarily change the world. Mm-hmm. But it was like one small act that made you feel good. If you feel better, if you feel like you're doing something good, if you feel like you're honoring your commitments, then you show up as a better person with all the other people that you interact. Exactly. How did, when you started emailing people, right? If my mom started sending me messages about how she, God was talking to her, at this point in my life, I would be like, hey, are you, I would be happy that she's happy with it. But a long time ago, I would have been like, oh my God, mom has lost it. What, what was the kind of feelings that your family was giving back to you from these experiences? Uh, Funny story. So the very first email I sent out was within a couple of days of that men's group. And I just laid it all on the line. And I said, you know, been walking this, uh, walking in darkness for a very long time, you know, porn addiction, over drinking, overworking, haven't been treating my family right. And had this radical transformation where I met God. And I'm going to start walking in the right path. And in essence, I was telling my audience, which was my entire email list, I want you to hold me accountable. And, uh, you know, the, the responses I got, that it's, my mom said, honey, why did you have to say porn? They're going to arrest you. I'm like, no, mom, they're not going to arrest me. <laughs> so, think, you know, go ahead. Sorry. You know, I was saying, so, you know, I definitely got... I got some pokes from my friends. I got a lot of praise from my, you know, my elders in my family. Um, uh, but there, and, and some people who wish to never be associated with me. So, you know, I definitely got a, a mixed, mixed bag. And the way you described it, I'm assuming, but please like, let me know like that religion and we haven't even talked about religion. You've actually just talked about God, but like, this wasn't a big part of, this wasn't either at all a part of your life or wasn't a big part of your life before that men's group. Um, I, was, I was born in church. I was uh, born and raised Catholic, eventually gone to a Protestant church. But for most of my life, it was, I went, but you know, the, the lights on, but nobody's home. I was there, yeah. but it didn't impact my life. It was, it was just something I did. How does it, like, how is it with your, 
your family now? Like you have two children, you have a wife, you've taken on this radical shift and this radical transformation. Not only are you feeling like you're very connected to God, but you're talking about it, you're speaking about it, you're writing books about it. How does that, how has that impacted them? You know, do they have feelings, thoughts? What goes on with there? Uh, funny thing is, is uh, in the very beginning of my journey, um, one of my biggest roadblocks was my wife. Um, she, she didn't want me sharing everything I was sharing. She, she appreciated the shift in my life, but I was too busy trying to save the world, trying to convert everyone to this new faith, but my house was still broken. And so she had to pull me aside and say, let's start here. You know, you can tell me everything you're doing, but if I don't see it shifting in our family, then you know, I don't want you to do any of it. So a lot of the um, things I wanted to do was put on hold because I, at first there was animosity there because you know, it felt like my wife was crushing my dreams. But in hindsight, because the journey has been almost 13 years now, realizing that was very important to, to stop, fix our house first and be patient. Uh, it's funny because I just recently joined Facebook just a couple of months ago because that was something that was closed off for, for years because of a lot of the trust issues that I broke. And um, it's realizing that this is a journey. It's not something I need to be there right away. And that's why I talk about moments. It's, it's enjoying those little pieces because those little pieces make up um, you know, turn, have turned into a book, have been able to give stories that I could share with other people. Yeah. What, and then you wrote a second book, which is called Unplugged, how to disconnect and find peace in a noisy world. What's that book about? Um, that's a, again, a second is a continuation of my faith journey. I've come to realize that I had a lot of noise in my life being the workaholic working 60 hours a week. Um, you know, excessive drinking, uh, porn addiction, uh, computers, laptops. One day we were at uh, Disney World, supposedly, you know, one of the happiest places in the world. And we're in line and I'm sitting on my phone and my wife says, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm Googling myself. She goes, why? Well, I just started this new business. I just wrote this book and I want to see what the World Wide Web is saying about me. And he looked at me and said, you know, what about this? What about our family? This is all the significance you need. You see, I was searching for significance in the World Wide Web when all the significance I needed was right in front of me. But that phone was um, separating us. So um, that led me to... It's funny because after she said that, I thought, okay, I got a title for my next book. Stop Googling yourself. Uh, that's or the original title of the book, Unplugged, until we found out that uh, Google doesn't like that. So we had to rebrand it. <laughs> um, you're talking about something really interesting here about how I love the conversation where we look outside instead of inside. And you showed it in multiple ways. I, I talk about this in my, with myself, but in my practice. Like so many of us are trying to hit our goals because we wanna feel a certain way inside. Instead of feeling a certain way inside and then using that to go fuel our goals. 
And I think the same thing you, you pointed to with your um, transformation God journey, it became, I need to go do these big things in the world. And your wife said, wait a minute, our world at home is, is not the way that we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And so you actually had to clean up inside before you went outside. And then the same here again, you were searching for significance online outside of your home or your family. What do you do now? Because like, like I said before, you, you have multiple roles. You have a, your own business, which in itself takes a lot of energy. You r- help your wife and run the home and you guys have that area. You're also an author now. You speak, you're involved in men's groups and whatnot. What are you doing to continue to like nourish these relationships at home? Um, involve, the, involve the family. So a lot of the creations, because I do, cre- I create all kinds of videos. One of them I create is workout videos. My wife and I were on this fitness craze. And so we videotape and then I turn a 40 minute video into like 30 seconds. And then I'll share that on Facebook. And that way it gives us a way to inspire other people to, hey, you know, working out doesn't have to be hard. Look, look at us doing it. Um, like I have my son help create different uh, art pieces that I um, like in my book Unplugged, there's a lot of art pieces that my son and my daughter drew because every chapter has a little drawing, an image of what the chapter was about. Um, and so if anything, because of all the hats I wear, I, I want to involve the family as much as I can. That way I don't focus on everything I'm doing and neglect because, you know, my first ministry is at home. Um, so it's finding a way to incorporate it so they can all be involved. And you talk a lot about like being present, whether it be at home or in moments, how do you keep yourself like on task or, or focused on that? So they don't slip by, you know, I, I noticed that as I got, I shared with you when we paused, like I have a puppy and the puppy actually gets me to be very present. Mm-hmm. Cause it's hard not to be present with her, but outside of with the puppy, I notice like the, no, the world is noisy and it's like, it's so easy to be pulled from, you know, the problems we have at home, the problems we have in America, the problems we have in the world or all the chatter, right. Of everyone. What, do you have like a practice or a way that you kind of check in and remind yourself to listen in these moments, whether it be to God or just to be present? Um, if anything, it, it, like you said, rituals, it's, you have to, you don't have to, um, find the time. A lot of people say, I don't do things because I don't have time. You have to make the time. So my morning ritual is I roll out of bed onto my knees in prayer, take the time to reflect. Um, then I'll go work out with my wife. After we work out, I'll, um, I'll do a little recording of myself reading the Bible and reflecting on a moment where I saw God in my life, even if it's as simple as picking up the trash or picking up somebody's uh, who somebody who didn't pick up after the dog, me picking up their their doggy duty, you know, very simple aspects. And because I record it, it's allowing me to reflect on it. And then throughout the day, I'm I'm constantly um, absorbing content. Um, whether it's through YouTube or through podcasts. And that also gives me a lot of information. And then just taking a few minutes every day to just, you know, whether I 
journal it or record. Actually, recording is the easiest because not only does recording create this little uh, diary, but then I can also use it as content to, to, to share it. And then at the end of the night, I'll, I'll reflect, you know, what was, uh, it's something my wife and I and the kids have grown it. And during dinner time, we will do this thing called roses and thorns. Learned it from the boy scouts where we ask each other, what was your rose of the day? What was the best thing that happened to you? And then we all share. And then we ask, what's your thorn? What was the worst thing? And then we ask, hey, elaborate, talk about those things because too many times we just ask how you're doing and they say good. And we think that's all we need to hear. I don't need to dig deeper because they said good, but it's learning how to dig deeper to find out more what's going on in their lives. So I think it's really scheduling the time and um, asking questions, whether I ask myself the question or I ask my family questions. I love that. I've never heard roses and thorns before. It's so simple, but, and it's, I think it's a perfect like metaphor for life, right? Like there's, there's negative always with the positive. There's beauty with ugly, there's light and dark. Like they always come together. Exactly. Yeah. What do you, I want to, I want to touch on um, you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you started your own business. I know you, you had shared with me before this, that there were some challenges and some struggles and it wasn't just like a, you know, a, a, goal, a yellow brick road to success. What's the, what's the hardest lesson that you had to learn or overcome in being a business owner? Uh, well, one of the things I had to learn was to lean on my wife. For, for our entire marriage, I was the main breadwinner. Although she was a nurse um, and she made a good income, I was the one who brought in most of the bacon. And for me to lose my job, all of a sudden, you know, I was no longer the provider. And I had to, you know, ask her to work more hours. And, you know, that's very humbling. Um, and one Christmas, actually, we weren't going to be able to afford Christmas. So um, I, I had actually called one of my friends and said, hey, you know, we do this gift exchange every year with us and with the kids. Uh, can you just give me a signal? I want to be at the party, but can you give me a signal before we do that part of the night? Because I'm going to take my family out because, uh, you know, we can't afford uh, presents this year for, for the group. And, uh, you know, what my friend said to me, his name is Eric, a high school buddy of mine. He said, you know, we've known each other for way too long. Don't you ever think I don't have your back? And... You know, we went to lunch later on in that week and he, he passed a, an envelope to me and it was uh, over $300 of cash and gift cards. And he said, Christmas is taken care of. Uh, so if anything I really learned was uh, leaning on my wife and being able to share the struggle because I could have held that in and, you know, I, I, would have, I wouldn't have given my friend the opportunity to bless me. It's a pretty amazing friend. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's so beautiful too. Like he didn't, you didn't ask him to help you. You just shared, you were, you were brave enough to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, vulnerable is like a hot topic word in the world we live in. And I think people still don't realize the power of vulnerability. 
but you were brave enough to, and when I say brave enough, right, because you, he could have, he could have not cared. He could have said work harder. There's a million things that could have happened, but he actually just heard you and the pain and the sadness and, you know, and he, and because you were brave enough to be vulnerable, you gave him the opportunity to give you a gift. Yeah. Um, and then you also got to then give you, you pass it forward, right? You got to give your family a gift by actually having a Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. What was, when you think about when you turned the corner, I know a lot of people, you know, when they start, start businesses, they're challenged at the beginning. It's not, not normal to be challenged in the beginning of building a business. Was there a moment where you felt like you turned the corner and it was like, okay, you know, I'm not, it's not like a rocky road all the time anymore. And, and what do you think, made the difference to go from where it was like very challenging to a little bit smoother? Uh, Yeah, definitely. The first, I would say the first four years, I was regularly looking at job posts, you know, thinking, you know, whether I need to work at Starbucks or I need to work, um, you know, at another part-time job because it just wasn't, I was only bringing enough to cover the basic expenses, but, um, not enough to cover, you know, all of our, our mortgage and, you know, you know, property taxes and anything above, you know, the basic living expenses. So uh, it was, I think four years. No, I want to share this because every time I started searching for jobs, I would always ask God, God, if, if I'm to continue with this business, then open doors, otherwise give me a job. And usually that by the time I was in desperation and I prayed that, I would get a phone call. Hey, saw your ad or I was referred to you through um, BNI, our network group that we both share. And then that would usually, you know, set me up. I'm like, oh, yes, I guess I don't need to get a job right now. Few months later, I might feel it again, and then I would pray it. So it was usually through uh, the, the struggle of not being able to pay the bills, falling on my knees, and asking God for help. Then another door would open, and I think it was probably about year four that I thought, "I don't need to find another job. This is what I'm going to do." What advice, if I was, if I, if I wanted to leave some business owners, some people with advice, you know, people that are starting out, people that I know so many people that like, they're always in that conversation of, should I just go back and, and get a paycheck? Should I, you know, fold this thing up? Should it be a side hustle? It's been really hard. It's been really challenging. I can identify with you, you know, people, I think people see a lot of what we do online and they don't know what's really going on, but I had to share with somebody yesterday that I've been, I'm coming up on, I'm somewhere between five and six years of running my own business. And the first three years, there were a lot of days where I was in tears, where Mm -hmm. I was almost giving up, where I had to go to my parents, my partner, my friends, and I'll basically get lifted back up Mm -hmm. um, because I just didn't have the wherewithal on my own. What advice would you give to people that are either wanting to have a business and afraid or in their business and challenged right now? I learned this from uh, B&I, uh, uh, this uh, VCP, uh, visibility plus credibility equals profitability. You have, to, you have to be visible for people to find you. 
you have to be credible. So when they find you that you're able to, um, you know, provide those services and they want to use you and that's going to lead to profitability. But too many people are so focused on, you know, I need to just be good, but they're being a, they're a secret agent. They're not telling people that they've got this side hustle when, you know, you should be telling people what you're doing. And it's not so much that you got to throw an ad on Facebook, every single post, you know, I'm selling this, I'm selling this. It's just about being visible, whether you're throwing a motivational quote, whether you're, you've got a video that you're posting where you're just trying to inspire people. I think a lot of my growth in my business has been because I've been so willing to share, you know, whether it be videos or blogs or uh, newsletters that people realize, Hey, you know, this is somebody I want to work with, or I want to recommend, not because of his skill set, but because of his personality. It's being visible because you could be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't, you know, explain or share, then you're just going to be smart, but with no money. So I think it's learning how to communicate with people would really be the, the biggest skill set to grow your business. I love that, which requires vulnerability also, right? You, you have to be willing to be out there in the world and let people have opinions about what you're doing. You have to be willing to have people like hate on you and not be supportive because the only way you can find the people that will be supportive is to put it out there for everyone and let those people find you. Um, Orlando, thanks for uh, being an example of someone who is a man, especially a man who's willing to be vulnerable, a man who's willing to share his struggles. Thank you for being open and honest. You know, you share some of your vices from the past and even to your wife's point is like, why do you have to share those things? It's important. I, I think it's so important because you're not the only one. There's a lot of people that are drinking too much, that are watching too much porn, that their marriages are falling apart. They don't believe maybe in themselves or their businesses. And the lesson and what I'm really taking away from you is whether it be God or a men's group or a woman's group or a community or a team, that everything that you've been able to overcome and create has come through the support of other people, right? Like you found God through other men. and you now are able to share whether people are able to find God through you or they're just able to find lessons and information and um, hope through you. Uh, thanks for being willing to put yourself out there, you know, and, and put kind of put yourself on the line yeah. for other people. Yeah. I, I've come to learn um, if I could just share you this, this little Please. piece, uh, uh, the importance of taking off your mask. Mm. I saw this, uh, this image, this little cartoon, where there's this man who wakes up in the morning and he looks in the mirror and he doesn't like what he sees. So he puts on a mask and he's walking around his work environment around town and he's wearing this mask, but he's unhappy. And one day he sits down at this park bench and he's looking at another man and he takes off his mask. And the man then takes off his mask. And then when they look at each other, they realize that they're not much different. And then at that moment, they smile on their face. And I've come to realize that we walk around with all these masks. We try to hide who we are with our accolades or, you know, the things we have. 
but we're not happy. But we will tend to find ourselves more happy when we take off our masks and be willing to appreciate who we are. Because when we can appreciate who we are, then we're allowing other people to appreciate who they are. Now, well vulner said. Yeah, the vulnerability is important. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, I mean, my book, right, was called Fictional Authenticity. And I think it requires vulnerability to be authentic. And to me, that fictional is like, we're wearing masks, we're pretending. So many of us are pretending to be authentic and to be real when we're actually showing up in the way that our mom wants us to, or our family does, or our church, or our job, or our boss, and we're not actually showing up as who we are, yeah. as the people we want to be. So thank you, because you show up and you tell you know your truth and your perspective. Um, if people want to learn more about your books, um, about you, I want to tell, give them the name of your books again. One is called God Moments, Why God Made Me Pick Up, up not my underwear, but God Moments, Why God Made Me Pick Up Underwear and Other Stories of Faith. You also have a podcast called God Moments. And your second book was called Unplugged, How to Disconnect and Find Peace in a Noisy World. Can people find those like on Amazon? Are they available everywhere? Uh, they were available, I think, pretty much everywhere. Amazon, definitely. Okay, awesome. And then if people want to know more about you, is there a place for them to follow you online? I'm on, um, I'm on YouTube. If you just, you know, typed in my name, Orlando Javier, and you, you'll see videos from um, uh, me reading the Bible, me sharing my stories. I give business tips because I wear a lot of hats. You know, a lot of my videos, you know, have varying degrees of what I'm talking about, but usually the, the central idea of moments. Um, I'm on Instagram uh, at Orlando Javier and Facebook at Orlando Javier Jr. Beautiful. Thanks for being here. Thanks for spending the time with me and sharing a part of your life. I appreciate Thank you it. For allowing me. Yeah. And everyone that's listening, please uh, check out Orlando, you know, check out his books. Um, and thanks for being here. Thanks for spending your time trying to improve yourself, trying to learn, and really like willing to look at life through another perspective, through Orlando's perspective, through my perspective. And hopefully in those perspectives, you grow, you take things away, and you're able to expand your perspective and see more of what is available in life. And uh, what possibly life can offer you. Uh, please like, follow, and tell someone who needs to hear this podcast about this podcast. Thanks for being here, and uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.